Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish, I'm Egyptian. You five-star double-rated astronavigatrix. Uh, 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 what? Space herpy. Give me the remote control. Good heavens, General, that sounds like a woman. Impossible! Welcome, listener, to Star Crashed. We discuss genre movies, movies released before the year 2000. It's Mars in March month. And in this episode, we'll talk about Robinson Crusoe on Mars from 1964. My name is Ebba. And my name is Linnea. So, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Yeah. What is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much what it sounds like, to be honest. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Set in the far future. So it makes it a sort of like sci- science fiction uh, survival movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so before we get into spoiler territory, which we always do, would you recommend this movie? Uh, yes, I would. Um, I don't think it's a movie that you're going to come back to and watch many times. Um, I've seen it twice now and I think I'm quite satisfied with that. Uh, but I mm. definitely think it's worth seeing at least once because I think this marks uh, a bit of a shift in science fiction film history because at this point in 1964 we are sort of leaving behind the quote-unquote bug-eyed monsters of the 1950s and we're moving into a more serious science fiction here uh this is i mean this movie was released just four years before 2001 a space odyssey and i think they they go sort of in the same vein um and uh, i think it's worth noting uh, this film for for that reason yeah, I I agree with you. It feels um yeah, it's not 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 something I would want to watch more than once really, but uh it does feel way fresher than anything a few years before mm-hmm. feels like. So, I think it um it looks really good for the time actually. Yeah. Uh, and there are some some gold nuggets in it and some more brown pieces of shit in it as well. So uh, <laughs> the story, like what is it about? Well, it's it's actually just like the title says, it's Robinson Crusoe on Mars. A guy gets stranded on Mars after having to eject in a pod uh, from his uh, spaceship. And uh, his uh, co-pilot does the same, but he doesn't survive the crash. Uh, and then it's like an hour or so of uh, our main character trying to survive on this planet where he can't really breathe the atmosphere. And uh, and he has to find food on a planet that he doesn't even know, like, is there even something to eat here, essentially. And eventually he meets Friday. Of course, because this is Robinson Crusoe on Mars. And the two of them sort of, um, I don't know if cat and mouse is the correct word, but they sort of try to get away from an invading force that has enslaved Friday. And uh, they sort of bond and and eventually they make contact with uh, 
a um, spaceship from from planet Earth that can uh, save the three of them because there's also a very cute monkey by the name of Monica, who's, which is the only name I remember from the movie. So what? I guess they must have said Monica. Was it Monica? Wasn't it Mo- th- Mona? Well, then I didn't remember any name from the movie, obviously. <laughs> Monkey, Monica, I thought, well, okay. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You can call her Monica I, no, if you want to. I think it was Mona now that you say it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically the story. There isn't a whole lot to it in in, in uh, plot twists and things like that. It's kind of straightforward. It, mm. it's, uh, it's a 60s version of The Martian. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Um, and that's partly the reason that I suggested this for the podcast, because, um, you know, we we did have The Martian just a few years ago, and The Martian, even though I don't think The Martian was directly inspired by this film, it does show that, you know, The Martian, the idea of landing on Mars and exploring Mars has been a part of our, part of science fiction and part of our just, human consciousness for a long time mm-hmm. and it's something that we have been thinking about for a very long time so yeah yeah and it's kind of funny that someone at least someone had the thought like what happens if an astronaut gets stranded on mars and it's no wonder that you the next thought you have is like oh it would be right like robinson crusoe or like what would happen if in the future instead of a situation where a sailor gets stuck on a um, like undiscovered island it's what if an, an astronaut gets stranded on a planet that hasn't been um, really researched a lot so it's kind of cool I think it's a really cool idea uh, even though I think I, I, in that way I sort of find the title of the movie a bit um, unfortunate because as soon as you figure out that it's kind of staying true to Robinson Crusoe in a way then you know that oh he'll probably meet someone eventually that's living here mm. and he does so it's mm, in a way i kind of wish the name was a bit different like stranded on mars or something instead um i don't know yeah Do yeah it's, on it, that? it's not something i've been thinking about but i can i can agree with you uh on that definitely I don't know. I think something like Stranded on Mars would be a bit more generic. Uh, oh, like for sure. Yeah. Robinson Crusoe on Mars is fairly unique. I mean, the first time I heard of this film, I was like, Robinson Crusoe on Mars? Seriously? Like, that that's something I haven't encountered before, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, it, it, yeah, it, the title is both good and bad at the same time, I suppose. But uh, mm. it's... it's uh, it does describe the film, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but also it kind of makes it sound like you're, you're, like, you're expecting something super campy, right? Mm. Like something that is just... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even... Like, I can't explain what I'm thinking, but like something super campy and really... Like, basically like shot in someone's living room, almost like a bunch of sand just in someone's living room and uh, I don't know I can't explain it but uh, so the name in that sort of way kind of I had I had very different expectations from uh, from what the movie actually was in the end Mm. but at the same time that's a nice surprise you know Mm. so (laughs) yeah 
So um, this movie was directed by uh, Byron Haskin, who also did uh, The War of the Worlds in 1953, mm. which is also quite famous. Um, and actually, the uh, spaceships that we see in Robinson Crusoe on Mars, not the Earth spaceships, but the other the slaver mm. spaceships, whatever you want to call them, uh, were greatly inspired by the uh, spaceships that they had used in War of the Worlds. Not they weren't. I knew they yeah, were familiar. They weren't. Yeah. Th- they weren't the exact same models, but they were very alike <laughs> in the way they look. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he he took some inspirations from his own work there. Yeah, that's yeah. I think it's it's almost like there's a shared universe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's hinting at that. I don't know. I mean, you, yeah, yeah, you, you could totally um, think of them as as taking part in the same universe, just yeah. several years apart. Because yeah. in War of the Worlds, you have Martians invading, and then you know we, have, or the 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 Martians there die, and we sort of come out the the winner of that conflict. Yeah. And then you can sort of imagine that well, this far into the future, the Martians have left Mars mostly except they have some mining uh, mm. mining uh, activity going on but now of course we are starting to investigate space and, and kind of encountering oh them God. there so yeah. you figured it out <laughs> <laughs> you figured it out <laughs> but uh, yeah the screenplay uh, this is also quite interesting because i was reading up on this and it actually has a few connections to this hmm. podcast that I can make. The screenplay is by Ib Melchior. I think that's how his name is pronounced. And he has been a screenplay writer for a number of sci-fi films. Um, a few of the ones that I know for the most notable uh, is one called Journey to the Seventh Planet, which I don't think I have mentioned this movie to you, but this is a no. movie that is on my, my wish list. So I have uh, been wanting to see it for a while. I'm uh, gonna Google it. Can you say it just one more time? Like uh, seven? Journey to the Seventh Planet. I think it's less serious of a film than Robinson Crusoe on Mars. It's a bit more on the campy side. Um. <laughs> oh, it looks glorious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should totally watch it sometime. Yeah, um. there, Yeah, sorry, not, not to interrupt you, but their suits. Kind of remind me of the jumpsuits that um, that uh, you have in Fallout, you know? Ah. Like when mm. you were in one mm. of those Fallout shelters and mm. with the sort of <laughs> yellow and blue. <laughs> um, but Ib Melchior, he was also the writer for a movie called The Angry Red Planet, which is a movie that we have <sighs> talked about maybe watching yes. for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> not this... Uh, March, Mars in March month, but possibly for a future Mars in March month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have considered it. Uh, and he was also a writer for a movie called Reptilicus from 1961, which was a joint Danish and American production. And it's one of the earliest Danish science fiction films, but we of course know that it's not the earliest <laughs> because that, we, that movie we talked about last week. So... Uh, <laughs> There were just a few connections there, you know, the Angry Red Planet and Reptilicus were uh, movies that we had encountered for the podcast before, at least I had. So, um, yeah, interesting connections there. And Ib Melchior certainly had uh, or has an interesting um, movie uh, catalog uh, that we can 
work our way through. So yeah, gladly. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that his his original screenplay was very different from uh, what ended up in Robinson Crusoe on Mars. He had more hmm. the quote unquote bug eyed monsters in it. Um, maybe a bit similar to the. Uh, bat rat spider crab that is supposedly in angry red planet so i'm i'm actually quite happy that we didn't get that in robinson crusoe on mars mm. um, i'm i i think robinson crusoe on mars is good as it is as a more more serious um sci-fi film agreed yeah i think this movie is kind of great for a, a specific reason and i think that is because the story is kind of like small scale and intimate in a way but the setting and uh, in the way it's shot and everything it kind of it's it's more grand almost in scale uh, and i think that um as a whole package it's a kind of neat movie that way mm. if you know what i mean yeah i understand um, i understand i mean yeah you you have those kinds of grand epic universes or landscapes in movies yes. like like star mm. wars for example but mm. the story in star wars is very different from the story that we get in robinson crusoe on mars you know robinson crusoe on mars is very much focused on you know humanity and especially uh, our main character uh kit's humanity and his you know how he handles survival on on mars and also when he meets his you know, his Friday, uh, who mm. also looks human. And I think that was a very good decision. I mean, of course, the, as, a, as a result of that decision, we, of course, have to ask the question, you know, why does Friday look human? But that's not really important here because the fact that Friday does look human plays or, or enhances the theme of kids' humanity more, I think. I don't know what do you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I I would say I think your comparison with the Star Wars is kind of interesting because in a way I feel like even though like Robinson Crusoe on, on Mars is based on an idea that's kind of old <laughs> considering the, the source material there, but it still feels like a more modern um, line of thought as a story than Star Wars because Star Wars is more like this grand fairy, not fairy tale, but this grand fantasy set in space thing where it's just like high politics and, mm. um, but it's, you know, but, but here it's more like, how do I survive? Mm. Uh, who am I? And I can't, I can't come in contact with my, mm. with, the, with um, even my own planet. It's kind of, it kind of feels more, modern even though there are a few elements because of the robinson robinson crusoe thing it kind of makes it feel a bit dated maybe but i still feel mm. like the friday and rob uh, and kit um back and forth was kind of nice and all, all also that because kit uh and thank you by the way for reminding <laughs> me of his name uh kit's interaction like kit's um way of speaking to Friday is kind of like oh you're so dumb and I'm going to teach you English because if you can speak mm. then you will speak English and it's very he's kind of like looking down almost on Friday yeah and not understanding how Friday is communicating because like they're two different species mm. I mean but then as Friday 
sort of starts to joke with Kit and uh, like helps Kit survive and sort of like levels the playing field a little bit and uh, sort of like almost comes out stronger than Kit in some instances and then Kit is treating him like an equal Mm. and I think that's kind of a nice sentiment as well and a nice little lesson there for the audience too I think Mm. so yeah yeah I, I that that's a very good point um it's it's unfortunate but but also perhaps not unexpected that the movie would have that kind of dynamic where you know when kid figures out that friday can actually speak he's like oh then you can learn english he doesn't think that oh well then i can learn friday's language mm-hmm. you know it, it's not that way around um and i think that's part uh, a heritage from Movies like, well, not movies, books like uh, John Carter on, on Mars um, mm. or Princess of Mars, which is the first one, uh, where some of the Martian societies in there is portrayed very much like, you know, savages uh, or, you mm. know, Native American equivalents and things like that. Uh, not not very subtle racism in some uh, aspects. So mm. it, it's unfortunate that there's some of that in, in this film. But... Just to go back a little to to what you were talking in, about in the beginning there, that you know the the tale of Star Wars is the good versus evil tale, which is timeless. But I also think that you know the the conflict in Romulus and Crusoe on Mars, which is man versus nature, is even mm. more timeless and even more yeah. relevant at all ages uh, because it is. It is relevant to us today. It's maybe even more today as we are fighting, you know, global warming and things like that. So, mm. um, you know, it's it's it resonates in many many eras. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also think. I don't know. Can we talk about the monkey? I want to talk <laughs> about the monkey. Sure, go ahead. I had I had a really like deep thought there, but I really want to talk about the monkey because. Monica, or Mona, uh, wears a really cute uh, astronaut outfit. Mm. But goddamn, does she look uncomfortable in it. <laughs> I know! I My know. god, that poor monkey in the beginning. <laughs> Le- like, later on, when she doesn't have to wear the cute astronaut suit, she looks way more comfortable and, like, less... Mm. <laughs> less, less of that monkey sound in pain. Um, so, Yeah. But I actually, so cute. yeah, I actually read uh, about this um, uh, when uh, they have taken off the uh, spacesuits uh, of Mona. Uh, she actually is wearing something because Mona is played by a male monkey called uh, Barney, I believe, and he was actually wearing like a fur diaper throughout this. Oh whole my god! Movie stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't he just be like Mikey then, or? <laughs> something <laughs> i don't know i don't know what the okay. decision making was behind that but that, that's uh, the way it was well um poor monkey i i, I did have a thought cons- concerning the monkey and also friday and that is uh to go back to this kind of deeper thought i had before i was thinking of the cute, cute uh, astronaut outfit and that is that uh, the way that uh kit is treating Monica or Mona in the beginning where he's like holding back on the food because they need to ration it and things like that 
and kind of the way that he treats the monkey is kind of the same way that he treats Friday. Mm. Like he's like at one point he's like throwing a stone at Friday, and he's like stone, and he's like mm. lift this, and he's sitting there like like a pompous asshole um, mm. watching Friday work essentially. Uh, and I think I don't know if they if they're like trying to make a point or anything, but I think it's kind of interesting that he kind of starts out like treating Friday like a monkey, and then by the end they're equals. Mm again to sort of ha- hammer that point in again mm. i guess <laughs> from my part here i don't know no no that's that's a very good point and um it's a nice definitely a nice character arc for kit that he you know it, that's that's part of discovering or developing his humanity not only is it you know facing nature and 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 you know standing up to nature it's also you know finding his humanity and how mm. he treats other people especially now that yeah. other people are not around you know <laughs> uh, he actually at one point hallucinates his co-pilot uh, mac and it's very you can just you know very good act acting from from the kids actor there mm. as he you know you, you just see the desperation in him like oh finally mm. someone else is here yes. you know it's <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, mm. it's it's emotional and intense, and um, yeah, it's a very good scene. Yeah, absolutely, and like like you say, like overall, I think the acting was really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are not a lot of actors in the film, but they did a really yeah, good but job. The the two of them, or the three of them, I should say, with with Monica, Monica Mona, Mona Monkey, <laughs> uh, being one mm. of them. So, Linnea. As the assigned uh, scientist in this podcast. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say assigned. You're the true scientist in this podcast. <laughs> I suppose, yes. <laughs> how, how, would you, how, how would you say that the science stacks up in this? And there's a few specifics I'm thinking about. So let's start with him breathing the air on Mars. Yes. Please explain. <laughs> so um, at the time in 1964... Um, the, as far as I'm aware, the belief at the time was that Mars had a thin atmosphere that potentially could you could breathe. You would have some some trouble breathing it, but you could breathe it, uh, and that's what ended up in the film um, because we didn't actually know that much about Mars at the time. Mm. Um, Mariner Four uh, space probe was um, launched late in 1964 and I think arrived to Mars in 65 and took the very first like high quality pictures of Mars so we like had just a vague idea really of the surface of Mars um so uh, of course today we know that you know breathing on Mars not gonna happen <laughs> mm. and the movie today is not very scientifically accurate uh, in that regard but at the time it actually was um believable so i i give it credit for that actually yeah i like this kind of reminds me of i mean there's a bunch of these kind of movies but i'm thinking of one specifically and it's about a science team going to one of um, uh, the moons of jupiter Mm, Uh, is it europa report perhaps yes yes thank you uh, so, and I mean, that's a modern era movie. Mm. And I'm just thinking like in 40 years 
or so or even you <laughs> yeah. know even more so like 50 <laughs> years like how quaint movies like that will look mm, to mm, to the mm. future people <laughs> yeah i i don't exactly remember what the antagonist was in the europa report uh, movie i believe it was some sort of like entity uh, looking kind of harmless at first and then not being so harmless you mm. know sort of like the way it goes with that sort of movie i guess but it's it was still trying to be scientific in a sense of like oh there's ice here and it we can land here and do science for science and you know <laughs> they're, they're trying you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> so yeah just imagine in 50 years mm. they'll be as harsh to that movie and that mm, kind of movie mm. as uh, I mean we're not being harsh on this movie though like you said that it, it was actually kind of considering the science at the time it was actually kind of accurate you know in 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 the context yes yes so, it's, yeah. it's, it's it you're actually being fair was... you're not being harsh you're being <laughs> fair. Uh, I mean looking at Robinson Crusoe today we are sort of like well you know how can he breathe on Mars how can he find yeah. the world on Mars how can he you know, he has these rocks that produce oxygen, you know, how does that happen? Uh, but at the time, it, it was pretty good. And actually, it was surprisingly good because the environments used in the film, they're very rocky, you know, mm -hmm. very... Um, not a lot, you know, no no plant life around, nothing yeah. like that. Just very, very, just rocks all over the place. And that that is the surface of Mars, but we didn't really know that at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, because, there's never a point know, where you're like, Oh, this isn't Mars. I mean, you buy it. I mean, yeah, it it looks great. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I totally buy the the environment as as Mars. It it does <laughs> look like what we think of Mars today. Yeah. Except for you know the water and everything, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can I can accept and that. I can accept fire. that. Fire, you know. Yeah. So you mentioned the rocks. Yes. Yes. Could you please describe for the listener <laughs> what you mean by this? <laughs> And also maybe get into the science. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so Kit finds these rocks. He's, he describes them as being sort of coal-like, I think. Um, and they are able to burn. And of course, the question is, then, you know, where the, do they get the oxygen from to be able to burn? Um, and he figures out that they actually are like oxidizing themselves. You know, they, they, they create oxygen and which makes them able to burn. I'm not a geologist, so I can't really say how accurate that is, but I will say that I was happy at the attempt of an explanation, at least, you know, it, it, it it's vague enough to be mostly believable. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm much happier with having that explanation for how he gets oxygen rather than not having the explanation at all. Um, so I, I did like it, that idea, mostly, <laughs> I suppose yeah. I can say. Yeah, that's an excellent point, I think, because it could have gone like in two other ways. And one being, oh, it's we can breathe on Mars. What do you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that... the other one is, yeah, sorry, what were you saying? No, I just I was just going to yeah. say that that I would have been much more upset about because that yeah. would have been like... That that's a cheap solution, you know. Just yeah, randomly right, yeah. discovering, oh, I can breathe on Mars, you know. So. Yeah, mm. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the other route could also be like, oh, 
I have this really awesome technology with me. It's a tank that has infinite amounts of air. Mm. I'm just going to nibble on this for the entire movie. So I think it it had an attempt. And I mean, it's fine. Yeah, and it did, you know? it did create drama and tension in the film. Mm-hmm. As, you know, at one point, yeah. uh, you know, Kit is running out of air in his air tubes and he wakes up in like in the middle of, of yes. the night and he's just like having an asthma attack because he can't he can't breathe and he yeah. doesn't like his air in the air tubes are, are you know he's he's out of that and he has mm. to figure out something else he's just like panic you know i would yeah totally panic in that situation and it, it was yeah it was a very good scene yeah it's so funny how much this movie reminds i'm guessing you as well like me of, of the martian yeah Kind of mean like they they have the same sort of issues like find food, find air, <laughs> or you know find shelter, survive, get help. Mm. <laughs> it's incredible actually that they're so similar. Mm. Uh, yeah, it is in in at its core it is the same tale. It's really just that the details that that mm-hmm. differ a bit. Like at its core, at its very very basic premise, it is the same tale. And yeah. I think both of them are, are good for, for that reason. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but there was something I was thinking of I wanted to ask you. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of like flames and fires going on on mm. Mars in this movie. Can you explain? Like, do you know <laughs> why? Uh, ma- why? <laughs> Just why? Just why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Not really. Uh, I think for the most part, you know, the flames and everything was just for dramatic effects uh, that the environment would look would look hostile, uh, mm. even more than just a rocky landscape. You know, having these geysers of fire would make it look even more scary and hostile. Um, scientifically, I don't. There's not really an explanation for that. Um, the closest we can get to to that being realistic is that we do have volcanoes on Mars um, some pretty large one I'm not entirely sure how active they are but you know having like lava and everything on Mars yeah yeah that's within the realms of of reality or, or possibilities hmm. so uh, that's the closest thing <laughs> you can get but um, <laughs> the fire gases themselves they were just sort of they were a bit ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, there were a, a bit much because the situation was dire already, and yeah. the fire just made it way like over the top. But mm. um, it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but did you like? Um, because I was sort of, I think uh, to to a certain point, I was sort of more enjoying the part where he before he met Friday, like before he. Uh, figured out that there were other people on Mars. Mm. I really enjoyed that part, and then there was sort of sort of this uh, middle part that I was like meh, and then it picked up again for me, and I was totally game again. Did you have a similar experience, or was mm. I being too vague? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I had the same experience. My experience was actually like in the beginning. Uh, when he first gets to Mars, we have a long while before he actually speaks. Um, eventually, we have him sort of recording um, 
you know, monologues into this device that he has with him. But for the very first part in the film, he doesn't actually speak, and we have to sort of guess at what it is he's doing. You know, he's looking at these rocks. Why is he looking at those rocks? I don't know. Uh, mm. I think I would have liked more monologue there in the beginning to understand his actions more. Uh, but that was really the only part where I was maybe less invested in the film. Otherwise, I oh, think I, I kept the level up throughout the experience. You know, what, you know what would have been cool? If they would have started the movie with him crawling out of the crashed uh, pod. Mm. And we didn't know that he'd been circling Mars with mm. his co-pilot. And, and just watching him and maybe not having him speak for a while and it and that sort of being a dramatic effect rather than a very hectic conversation and an action scene and then bam silence mm. so maybe so more of a build-up almost yeah. i don't know yeah and just like wondering like this sort of mystery like what happened and why did it crash was he supposed to sort of land here or Mm. You know, because but 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 then then snippets come up in this um, uh, record he he's keeping. Mm. Um, yeah, that would and you sort of get good, an, get a picture of like oh, but he's here for la di da da, you know, like whatever yeah, he's yeah. there for. Yeah, know, like some more of a mystery maybe that you can sort of like be intrigued about in the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, I like that idea because. Even though I like the scenes in the beginning of this film where they are, you know, Kit and his co-pilot are in the spaceship and they're orbiting Mars and they are, you know, their their equipment, which actually looks pretty good, you know, it, it looks like something um, uh, that we, maybe we would use to, to fly to the moon a few years after this movie was made. Um, and, and and I like what, what that scene or those scenes contribute to the film, but at the same mm. time, like you said, it would be interesting if you took those out because mm. they don't really create a lot of questions. You know, they we know that oh, this happens. This is the reason yeah. they crash, and so on and so forth. But if mm. we had cut those out completely out of the film, it would have given the viewer this sort of sense of discovery throughout the film like oh so this is what mm. happened and this is why he crashed and oh he had a co-pilot and the co-pilot died mm. you know things like that That, w- mm, yeah I, I think I like that idea Definitely. yeah yeah absolutely the more I think about it, the the more I would have wanted to see that movie to be mm. honest mm. even though I, I did like this movie at, at the very first I was like this is all right but it grew on me mm. the longer I got into the movie so in that way, I would say that it's a that it's a good movie, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and it's very interesting, I think. So, what do you think about the special effects? You talked about the slave ships a little bit, and mm. they're being uh, uh, inspired by um, War of the Wor- World of the Wor- War of the Worlds. War, War of the Worlds. <laughs> that is for for us Swedes. That is a bit of a tongue twister because yeah. the W sound <sighs> in English is very difficult for us. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of wow. <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> in so. Swedish, it's way easier. It's Vädernaskrig. Yeah, so easy. Like try to say that if you're not a Swedish speaker, and you'll find that you want to speak that you want to say it that way. <laughs> from now on, on, just saying, bad on a skrig, way easier. Um, <laughs> my God, getting sidetracked is just the way I live today. I think. Um, 
What was my point? Yes, the spaceships. Yeah. So they were um, inspired by a previously mentioned movie. Um, do you remember when I had the problem of saying blood of the... Blood of the... Blood of the mummy's tomb. Blood from blood, the mummy's tomb. Blood yeah. from the mummy's tomb, yes. That is, I think, before even this podcast. So yeah. never mind, listener. Also a, a sidetrack in a sidetrack here. <laughs> Uh, back to the special effects, Linnea. What yes. did you think about them? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm in a strange mood today. <laughs> they are, I think, pretty good. Um, I mean, sure, the spaceships and the... I think there's a little bit of like uh, zero gravity that we see in the beginning. It's not as good as 2001 A Space Odyssey because... Mm. Regardless of what you think about the actual movie 2001 A Space Odyssey, you can't deny that the special effects in that one are pretty darn good. Love um, it. Yeah, and Robinson Crusoe on Mars doesn't really reach up to that level, but it does reach pretty far, I think. It, for the most part, looks really good. Um, the special effects on Mars is mostly just that they had turned the sky red. Uh, mm. Sort of a, a very simple special effects, but also, you know, Done effective co- yeah effective yeah. and done done you know solid work uh, and as long as you can suspend your disbelief as as far as like oh, how should i explain this you know sort of like in the 50s if you're watching a sci-fi film and you have uh godzilla in a you know you you know that there's a human in the godzilla suit but yeah. as far as you can suspend your disbelief to yes that is a monster and accept that the, that suit is actually pretty good and i think it's the same thing here that you you know that yes also just sky is colored red mm. but if you just look at the movie as a whole you will see that well you know this this is the red landscape of mars and it looks pretty di- good and it looks surprisingly realistic um so I think as long as you can do that, I think you can definitely enjoy Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Yeah, I like I just know, continuing. That, that, that was a bit rambly, but I think I got the point across oh. what I wanted. <laughs> Don't worry, you're in excellent company for ram- rambling. I, I was gesturing a lot with my hands also, so <laughs> <laughs> no one was able to tell what I was doing. But sure. Then you know you're struggling, right? Like when you start to gesture, just gestures with your hands, then it's like, oh my god, these words just won't come out the way I'm thinking about them. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just to play off a bit more on the landscape thing is, um, I think they do an excellent job of like mixing up real landscape with uh, fake landscape mm. essentially mm. to i wouldn't say seamless would be the right word but it's it's a sort of like it's a balance in the mix so it never feels phony mm. i mean you can tell that those aren't real rocks because mm. the colors and the shapes are off and everything and god damn those are some lightweight rocks falling <laughs> on friday yes. right now yes. but um <laughs> apart from that I mean, they're in, like, a lot of the time they're in a real sandy, like, rocky landscape. So it looks believable. Everything is feels believable, apart from maybe the slave ships. Mm. <laughs> but to the slave ships' credit, or the effects of the slave ships' credit, um, I, f- I was kind of like... Like, the way they moved, they were really fast, like, skidding, skidding about this... Mm green and behaving very 
erratic almost. Mm. And it's kind of uh, scary, actually. Mm. I think today, a lot of the times when we have uh, movies that are an alien invasion or something, we have these huge ships. And they're just like dominating the sky or um, huge beasts and everything. And they're intimidating because they're so large. But it's kind of uh, scary when you have something that kind of looks big, but not too, like not enormous, but it's still big, like it's a, it's a spaceship. But it sort of moves it's, it moves really fast. And you don't know where it's going to be next because you can't predict it because it's not like almost moving according to the laws of like nature almost. And it's a bit, uh, it's a bit unnerving, even though, I mean, I'm not sitting there shitting my pants watching this movie, <laughs> but just like the idea and the effect sort of like, yeah, it's kind of. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I actually read about this in an article um, about how they, uh, the guys behind these special effects, they wanted the spaceships to look similar to what has had been described uh, in UFO reports at the time. Um, and, you know, thinking about the UFO reports that I've heard about, oh, that right. is the kind of behavior that has been described. You're right. You know, moving very fast in, in an erratic pattern. Um, and, um, so can, true. Yeah, I can totally see that in the film. And it is, like you said, it's, it's quite eerie. Yeah. Uh, because it's so non-human you know yeah, it's like why are you going in all of these directions why yeah, aren't you yeah. like being more strategic and it's like yeah. well wh whoever or whatever is steering that thing doesn't think like you mm. at all so exactly. it's exactly. not going to behave in whatever way you think it's going to mm. yeah true hmm. um okay then so uh Moving on to our segment that is replace an actor to improve the movie. The concept is join a time machine and you can bring any actor from any era to replace one actor in this movie. Who would you bring, Eva? I want to bring Patrick Wilson to replace Kit. Mm -hmm. Patrick and Wilson... Yeah. Sorry? Who is Patrick Wilson? Who is Patrick Wilson? Well, he's sort of the guy that's in a lot of things, but you... Maybe, unless you started paying attention to him, <laughs> you may not have noticed. But he's in, for example, he's in The, the Conjuring as the husband, Ed Warren. Uh, and he's also in, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, Watchmen, Watchmen, playing uh, one of those superheroes like your grandma would say one of those uh, superheroes <laughs> um, <laughs> and then then he's in a few other things but I, I always enjoy when he's on screen I think he's a good actor and he's very good looking I have to say uh, so I think oh he's also in Aquaman now I think mm. so yeah I just yeah I just want to see more Patrick Wilson in general so you know mm. definitely Want sure. him in this re re remake in 2020, <laughs> please. Please. <laughs> yeah, so who would you bring? <laughs> well, um, actually, as you were talking, I was sort of thinking of a s second uh, suggestion here, but I'm going to start with the first one I was thinking about, where I'm going to actually cheat somewhat because this is not technically a replace an actor, but rather to replace a character. 
and I was thinking of replacing Friday with uh, Mark Watney from The Martian because I think it would be interesting <laughs> to see the dynamic between Kit and Mark and Mark honestly would be the more intelligent of the two and mm. he would, you know, it would be the, the sort of reverse dynamic from the one we, we get in Robinson Crusoe on Mars where Mark would be the one who was sort of going to teach kids about things uh, at the same time as he's being very, you know, mm. makes jokes and everything that Mark does. So I think that, yeah, I think that would be pretty fun, actually. Um, yeah, and a really fun crossover as well. <laughs> yes. Like two, two stranded on Mars movies meet in, <laughs> in this alternate universe <laughs> in a really weird movie where, yeah. Oh, yo, you're here as well. Oh, well you know. oh my God. And you're here from 2019 and you're here from like whatever age this is supposed to be. Cool. And you have a monkey as well. God damn. We're going to be best friends. <laughs> Yeah, I would um, definitely want to watch that yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but then as you were, were talking about your suggestion as well, I, I thought of a second one that maybe... I don't have a, a specific suggestion for for an actor here, but I was sort of thinking, what if you switched out Kit for a woman? Uh, and then in mm. her relationship mm. to, to um, Friday, you would have that dynamic as well. You know, it's not just human and alien oh. it would be man and, and woman as well you know that dyma- mm. dynamic and how she would be the dominating party is perhaps the wrong word to use but the the the, well, the knowledge of the two. Yeah, yeah the knowledgeable yeah. one yeah so yeah i think that would be interesting too but i don't have a specific yeah. actress suggestion i'll just it, this idea just struck me so I haven't thought it through but <laughs> it I, would be fun I, w- I think I would want maybe someone like Charlize Theron maybe mm-hmm. uh, like maybe her or maybe someone like Nicole Kidman like some some really big name you know mm-hmm. uh, not, not too young no 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 not too young like no. definitely in like the 40s 50s range mm. just like Mark uh, Watney Mm. Like he's what, like forty-five-ish, mm, Wahlberg. Um, no, he's not Mark Wahlberg. Was it who played it? Matt Damon. Him. Matt Damon, yes. But I think he's like forty-five or something. So, I think that sort of age category where it does seem like the person has a lot of education and experience behind them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it would be it would actually yeah. be believable that you know they have gone through training to become an astronaut to actually travel to mars and be able yeah. to survive there you know that, exactly yeah, that like not some nice. like fresh out of high school actor <laughs> no. and you're like just really okay i mean there are really intelligent people in that age but you know just someone that doesn't mm. really need that sort of convincing mm. like a, a really young person would so mm. yeah i would love to see nicole kilman though in like an like an like um like science fiction mm setting i don't think i've ever i don't think she's done anything like that so i think she was correct me if i'm wrong but i think she was in a not a remake but an adaptation of invasion of the body snatches which i think was just called invasion Hmm, maybe but i haven't seen neither of those so i I, don't hmm. know maybe but you know like like one of these sort of science fiction movies i have seen that that film i'm thinking about but i can't in my head 
it's Nicole Kidman that's in it, but my head might be wrong, so don't quote yeah. me on it. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, yeah. But I would love to see her in something more like this. Mm. Mm. I think that'd be cool. I think she's great, so. Um, yeah. Linnea, please argue why Robinson Crusoe on Mars should win a Gordon. A Gordon is, of course, our version of the Oscars. Go for so, it. So, uh, yeah, I would uh, say that this movie should win in the category Best Martian Landscape because it is a damn convincing convincing Martian landscape, especially considering that this was made a year before we actually got good <laughs> quality pictures of the Martian surface. So that's very impressive, and I really enjoyed it. So I think it should win in that category. Excellent, excellent category to win in. And <laughs> I do believe that it does win in this category. <laughs> Because it was a very convincing Martian landscape. <laughs> so I think that this movie should win a Gordon uh, for cutest astronaut monkey outfit. Good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is that it's, cute. Yeah, it's, it is damn cute monkey outfit. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> One more serious award. One less so. <laughs> I feel that that's sort of becoming our dynamic here. That you know, I make the serious, scientifically based yes. suggestion, and you're like, "Oh, cute monkey outfit." <laughs> Can we please talk about the monkey outfit? I'm so tired of your science. I just want to talk about the monkey outfit. Now it's orange and so cute. <laughs> I'm fine with this dynamic because I am the more stupid one of the two of us. So I'm fine with this. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, do you have any sort of movie that you want to suggest for a double feature along with this one? Well, um, we have mentioned The Martian, uh, which I think would make a good double feature with this one. Um, also, for its style, I would suggest watching this with uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. They are not exactly the same thing, but they are both in the vein of hard science fiction. So I would... Mm. Um, uh, suggest that or maybe if you want a little bit more on the less hard science fiction front uh, you could also watch this with uh, war of the worlds made by the same director mm. and, and maybe see how he has developed in the 10 years between those films so yeah th those are my suggestions how about you good suggestions well i'm just gonna ditto on the um, the martian mm. to be honest i think they they would make for a like a really interesting double feature and you can definitely make some comparisons and yeah just uh just two really really similar movies done in very different ways mm. so yeah uh so i have one final question for you mm. should this be remade in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I don't know which year Martian was released, but uh, we kind of already had a remake of this, to be honest, uh, mm. which was The Martian. Um, I mean, I would, it would be fun to see the movie we talked about with uh, Nicole Kidman in the lead role. That would mm. be fun. But I think if that didn't happen, I would be quite satisfied with just The Martian because it, it scratches the same itch for me as yeah. Robinson Crusoe on Mars did. Yeah. So they are, they are go well together. Agreed. I think it would have to be 
a different planet, different circumstances, and something else in the mix. Just not a lone person getting stranded on a foreign planet. It needs to be something more. And not mm. stranded on a, on a foreign planet with monster, because that's also been done. So like some, something else, something mm. more, which I, I'm still game for, because I, I think movies with space exploration is fun. So, mm. But I do think that you need to make up some new scenarios, because mm. the, the tale is the same, but you need to change the context to sort of get some new questions going in your mind as you watch it i guess so yeah yeah no to re to remake <laughs> but uh more to the genre i don't know <laughs> mm, mm, yeah it's a really yeah. good point yeah mm. i i i agree with you mm. okay so uh, listener have you seen robinson Crusoe on mars uh we want to know what you think so go to our facebook page Star Crash podcast, uh, where you can share your thoughts and also give us recommendations for future episodes. Uh, and join us in two weeks as we sit down and talk about a movie that is definitely not hard science fiction, <laughs> because we are going to talk about uh, Fantastic Four from 1994. Uh, so we're going to sit down and watch that and uh, make fun of it, I'm guessing, uh, in, in two weeks. So join us for that. And uh, in the meantime, uh, have have a, a good time and uh, I hope you see some good films and uh, we will see you in two weeks. Bye bye. And don't get stuck on Mars. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
I thought we would die A rescue ship flashed by To save Friday and me And our pal, the Molly Monkey Now that I'm back on Earth I look up into the sky I remember my daddy's words And I know he really didn't die Robinson Crusoe Robinson Crusoe and Mark You'll be the astronaut and I'll be the guy from Mars Robinson Crusoe Robinson Crusoe and Mark We'll be together On a trip to the stars Trip.